Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 411 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, August 6th, and I'm joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Scott, how are you on this fine Sunday evening? Brad, I'm doing well. Are you ready to break down college football expansion and realignment? Because, oh, oh no, wait, we should probably talk about the Braves, and then maybe at the very end we'll uh, jump into that. But uh, I'm, I'm doing well, and uh, it was a busy week, to be sure. Yeah, that is Big 12 enthusiast Scott Coleman on the line with me. Um, if people don't know this, maybe a new listener. Scott is uh, you know, an Arizona man, we'll, we'll just say. So the entire state of Arizona is moving to the Big 12. But alas, we'll talk about that at the end if we remember to come back to it. But the Braves are still playing baseball. It is early August. They have now lost two in a row, which is not the norm for this team necessarily. But still, we should at least leave with this. They maintain a 10.5 game lead in the division as of August 6th. And uh, basically, the Marlins have almost entirely collapsed so it's probably the Phillies that you're looking at more often than not but before we dive into the results and by the way we should also say it's been a busy week on the podcast we had our trade deadline recap a few days ago so Scott and I are podcasting more frequently than we were before it's probably a little bit shorter of an episode today because there's not that much has happened in the last few days but Scott I have to ask you this what is uh, your feeling overall about this team at this moment because of the fact that they've just lost two games in a row and as always when they lose two games in a row the uh, freak out has commenced Yeah, it was just one of those weekends, and it felt like the Braves could have very easily have won on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, Both games were a little sloppy. Uh, The Braves had a ton of opportunities. Both games, I believe they had upwards of 10 hits and six or seven walks in both games, but they only scratched across six runs on Saturday and, and four on Sunday. So a bummer. Uh, We should probably at some point discuss the, we'll call the middle of the starting rotation, which is kind of quickly becoming a bit of an issue. Uh, But overall, man, I mean, I know it's, it's easy to get frustrated and I'm guilty of it too. Whenever you lose these games that are toss ups, but I think at the end of the day, you just kind of have to remind yourself that there is this gigantic division lead. You mentioned the Marlins have fallen off a cliff. And even the Phillies, while they're playing better, are are not on some crazy rampant run where they're just banging on the door. You want to see the Braves clean some things up, but overall, this roster, especially now that it is getting healthier, is just pretty darn good, 1 through 26. And uh, hopefully now, as the schedule lightens up a little bit as well, they find their groove and get a little more consistent than what they've been the last few weeks. 
Yeah, and we will talk about the number what is now the number three and number four starter in the rotation in a moment, as we uh, as you might expect that we would. But first, let's talk about the two wins in the last few days as we talked last you and I on this podcast. Uh, one of which was the finale of the Angels series on Wednesday, in which the Braves uh, won the series after losing the opener. Um, the offense went kind of predictably nuts in these two games that they won. Um, I don't have much to add about the offense other than the fact that Michael Harris has been uh, kind of unreal since uh, his, you know, well-documented rough start. He had the injuries, et cetera. Uh, I, I didn't notice this. I think it was, you know, Stephen brought it up or something like as of basically two months ago, early June, he has been one of the top 10 players in all of baseball. Like, and that's kind of what we saw from Michael Harris last year. We pointed out like, look, he was probably due for some regression, but after, again, what was, what, what was an admittedly a hideous start? Michael Harris has been, uh, basically a superstar ever since, which is not a huge surprise, but it's been happening. And that's uh, sort of worth notifying everybody else about. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to forget, but Michael also had the back issue early in the year. Yep. Uh, had that awkward slide and he, it was probably bothering him more than he initially let on. He missed a couple of weeks and early in the year, especially, I think when a guy gets injured, it's, it's tough to get up to speed. Right, you just spent however many months away in the off season, and then you ramp up for the regular year, and then you get hurt. Uh, so it's taken a little bit of time, but the numbers for Harris since June seventh are remarkable. And really, it's been two full months. He is hitting three sixty seven, which I believe is the highest mark in all of the majors. So hitting three sixty seven, a three ninety one on base. And he's really slugging. He has a 621 slugging percentage, which is remarkable for a guy like him with his speed and his defense as well. A 168 WRC plus has been one of the best in the sport. And he is tied in the top 10 in war over the last two months. He has a 2.5 war, which is phenomenal. So Harris, despite the slow start, has been terrific. Really, the only question that I have with him is will the Braves ultimately move Harris up in the lineup. Brad, I don't know if you feel strongly one way or the other. Obviously, this lineup is working really well the way it has been going for the last couple of months. But if you get into a situation where you have a must-win game or down the road in the playoffs, it's pretty clear that Harris is far better than the ninth hitter on this team. Yeah, you know, I, I don't feel incredibly strongly about it. It's one of those things... But I think you, if you went back and listened to this podcast, you know, five, six, seven years ago, I had a lot stronger takes about about lineup decisions than I do now in general. I don't know if that's just something about me or what's going on with that. But um, I kind of get it on all sides. Like he, they moved him to that spot um, when he was struggling. You know, there isn't a what you would describe as a prototypical nine hitter on this team when you play the, the lineup that the, that the Braves have been playing basically every day. Um, that's one of the things we maybe talk about at some point, too, is like everyone is playing every day and that's. Uh, it's working, obviously, but that's some that's one of the questions too. But you know, on one hand, you kind of get the at least there is one theory about the nine spot where it's like your second leadoff hitter, you know, like you might want some speed there, you might want, you know, that kind of thing. And Harris does fit that, but he as you kind of allude to there, he is extremely overqualified to be batting ninth in any lineup, doesn't matter what lineup it is or any what team you're on or whatever. So um, I think probably I would move him up if I had to uh, lay, lay it out there. Um, you can sort of debate on what spot he'd be in, but I think it's just one of those things where Brian Snicker um, is still old school in some ways. And like he found a lot that works for them. Um, and at least in, in his mind, they've been winning obviously at a high, high level all year long. And he's been in that spot. I think that's kind of a, 
if it ain't broke situation, if you're in stickers brain, if I had to guess, yeah. but like, I do understand, I do believe like what you're saying is hundred percent true. Like I, I would not in a vacuum, leave him there, but I at least understand it. It's a good non-problem to have, right? Like you have this tremendously talented, versatile player, and he's thriving in this ninth spot. You mentioned him batting basically ahead of Ron Vicuña Jr., Ozzy Albies, who has quietly been having a terrific couple of weeks, uh, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, who might win National League Player of the Week. You know, it's working. So I, I tend to lean that way, as you said, Maybe eventually, if, if Eddie Rosario continues to slump, maybe at some point you move Harris up a little bit. But I, I tend to lean towards the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and just kind of keep rolling until maybe there is a point in time where it becomes more apparent that a change needs to be made. Uh, but regardless of where Harris is hitting, he has been terrific. And even just his at-bats have been so impressive lately. Uh, he had a great uh, plate appearance today against a lefty. And just shot the ball the other way. It was 0-2 early, battled off a couple of pitches, didn't chase out of the zone, and then smacked the line drive to left field to load the bases. You know, it's just stuff like that where early in the year, it seems like he was chasing and expanding his zone too much. And he's really honed in there. And he is just a really, really fun baseball player to watch. Yeah, he looks fantastic. And it's going to sound funny after we talk about the two games they lost over the weekend in which the offense you know, it wasn't like it was terrible or anything, but, you know, they had opportunities Saturday and Sunday to win if the offense had more timely situations. And it's funny because they scored 10 runs in those two games, which is normally like a pretty good number for, for two games. Um, but like, you know, the, the eight broke thing does kind of apply across the board. And yeah, I mean, obviously I think we all agree. Michael Harris is a better hitter than Eddie Rosario, but like, you know, Eddie Rosario, it is what it is. Like he's just what he is. And, you know, I, I kind of get leaving Michael there, but he, he looks fantastic in general, on the offense, like you know, I guess in contrast to the last two games on Saturday and Sunday, they scored 20 runs combined between Wednesday and Friday. A bunch of power, all that stuff. I do want to at least mention the name of Yanni Chirinos, who pitched pretty well on Wednesday. He wasn't like dominant, but uh, I think his bid to be the number five guy in the rotation should probably get another start or two based on that. Like, I think he's going to, he's going to definitely earn another chance or two with that spot. And it seems like the Braves almost want him to win that spot. And uh, that was a positive data point for him on Wednesday. Yeah, you kind of get the vibe that the Braves don't love A.J. smith Shaver in the major leagues right now. They don't love anyone there, I don't think. But yes, yeah. I, agree, I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah, and we've talked probably for the last three or four weekends about Michael Soroka, and it just seems like the organization is not sure what to do with him at this point. Um, yeah, you're right. Trinos was nice on Wednesday, did a good job. He's lined up to start one of the Pittsburgh games this upcoming week. And look, man, he's he's not sexy. He's not flashy. Um, he he relies on his command and keeping the ball down in the zone. Uh, but he was fine on Wednesday against a pretty good Angels lineup, an Angels team that had been hitting really well. Did his job five innings, which uh, is something that the Braves are really going to need to count on behind Freed and Strider. Oh, the starting pitching has not gone super deep into games lately and you worry a little bit about the bullpen burning out if they're having to cover a whole bunch of innings uh, regularly uh, so yanni did a, a real nice job on wednesday and to win the series after losing on monday night was a nice turnaround and, and before anybody points this out um i i have seen i don't know if you have scott i have seen chirinos's stat cast page that is uh very ugly um i i saw it making the rounds this week somewhere uh, on twitter a lot of blue 
on that Statcast page. So yeah. I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying it's going to continue or that he's awesome. I, I want to be very clear about that. I don't really trust him either. But it seems like the Braves want to give him a chance, and yeah. I think that, uh, that, that that's all. I will, that's all I'll say about that. I, I'm not sure I believe in the Arias. In fact, I'm, I probably don't. But uh, that's one of those things where they don't have a great option. He is this year's Jake Odorizzi. Oh baby! Now, now you're speaking my language. I actually think Odorizzi had had much better uh, peripheral stuff than uh, he, he probably there, did. Alaska. But this was the veteran flyer. You know, we, Cheap, we talked nothing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we talked at length on Tuesday night, and really, if if anyone missed that podcast, basically everything we said still holds. Um, you know, they had an opportunity to go out and add a uh, maybe not even a big name, but a middle name guy to this rotation. They ultimately did not do it. It is going to also uh, very likely be something that determines how far this team goes. Right? Was it the right gamble for the front office? Do they need it? Uh, get back to me in November. I can probably tell you definitively if their plan at the deadline worked or not. Um, but if, you know, if Trinos can give them five innings every five days, I, I think they will happily take it. Yeah, it's uh, the, the bar is pretty low for what the Braves would accept in that spot. I think we saw that even after that game on Wednesday, everyone kind of acknowledged like he's fine, but it is what it is. Um, moving on from there, uh, I think for me, Pretty clearly the biggest headline since our last podcast on Tuesday, um, which again is worth listening to if you missed it the first time. The biggest headline since then is the return of Max Fried, which we knew was was probably going to come. It was signaled pretty heavily, but they finally confirmed it. He started on Friday in Chicago for the first time since May 5th. So basically three months between starts. And uh, I will throw it to you here, but Ma- Max Freed looked like Max Freed, which is all you need him to be because Max Freed, in case you were just tuning in for the first time to a Braves podcast, Max Freed is an ace and is fantastic. And uh, if that's what Max Freed looks like, then there uh, there's a lot of other issues that could get masked by how good he could be alongside special Strider. And I think that they were obviously everyone's hoping that Max Freed is Max Freed. But uh, if all they get is what happened on Friday, they'll be just fine. Oh, Max looks so good. And you would never know that he had been out for three months. There was zero rust. And even Max said after the game, he kind of surprised himself with how good he felt and how in command he was. I mean, really from the opening batter of the game, he had full command of all four pitches. His fastball hit 97 a couple of times, including in the first inning. So I'm sure his adrenaline was really pumping, but uh, for him to, look that good in his first start back was just such an encouraging sign. I, I think you and I agree that if this team is going to make a deep special run this year in the playoffs, they have to have Max Freed. I, I just don't see with the inconsistencies that the uh, couple of other options in the rotation have shown, the Braves absolutely need Max Freed healthy and all the way back. And if Friday's start was any kind of indication uh, he, they're going to be in good hands with Freed and with Strider as their one-two punch in the playoffs. Uh, just cannot say enough good things about how good Max looked. Yeah, I, I think the simple version of having two of you know the top 10 or 15 pitchers in all of baseball, something like that with regard to Freed and Strider, is a pretty good formula with perhaps the best offense in the entire league. That's probably a good place to be. Um, you know, even as we'll talk about in a second, Morton and Elder, like Freed being Freed is very helpful. And we went kind of up to the line, I think like a month ago, like basically, I, I know Steven talks about this too, like can they win the World Series without Max Freed? The answer is yes, 
but like it's a lot harder. <laughs> and I think that uh, no one uh, would be surprised by the fact that, that you know Freed and Strider are really good, but Freed being back and kind of being in the mix and uh, you know they, they have not they. Have, it's hard to say. Like, do they have to have Max Freed? I don't want to go there just yet because you know again I don't want to lean on this too much. They did win the World Series without Ronald Acuna, which is still insane. Um, but on this team in particular. And with the way that playoff baseball is played, it would be a lot better if they had Max Freed. And yeah, I, I was I was surprised. Not, not not that I was doubting Max Freed, but I did not expect him to look as good as he did in his first start in three months. Like and, uh, like you said, it seemed like he was surprised too. But I'll be interested to see what he looks like in start number two and all that. Like I'm not saying I expect anything bad from Max Freed, but uh, I just was surprised in, in a good way how, how good he looked and. The Cubs are a really good offense. At least this season, they've been kind of mashing. So that wasn't like he was facing some terrible team. Like he was facing a good opponent on the road and was still awesome. Yeah, he was terrific. And just a, a small bonus, you know, the, the lineup was really good. They had the big fourth inning where they dropped seven runs after being yeah. shut out the first three. It was like, wow, I believe both pitchers were perfect through the first three innings. That was a very Braves explosion in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, it really was. I mean, you blinked and it went from 0-0 to 7-0 in a span of like six minutes. I mean, it, it was wild. Um, you know, and for Freed's benefit, he only had to go six innings and only threw 72 pitches, which yes. is nice. So there wasn't a situation where Max was kind of had to be pushed to his limits or he was trying to eat some another inning or survive another inning in order to save a tired bullpen. You know, he was able to get out there, shake off any kind of rust that he might still have. And the Braves are going to need him because they are in a stretch right now where they just don't have a ton of off days. Uh, so to have Max back is great. The lineup did its thing. Uh, we also saw Brad Hand in the yep. seventh inning. He made his debut. Stuff looked pretty good. Uh, a nice depth piece, as again, you and I outlined on Tuesday night. So he, he pitched today uh, as well. Brad Hand did today and looked good again. Yeah. So, yeah. Sunday yeah. Sunday. So even if the vibes on Saturday and Sunday were not as good, a really nice win for the team on Friday. Yes. And uh, we'll leave it there for a moment and take a break here from our sponsors. And we'll talk about the stuff we've teased a few times already, which is Bryce Elder and Charlie Morton. And then also what's to come next week and much more. But first, a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Scott, let us dig in to the aforementioned middle of the rotation starters that had rough weekends. We'll start with Bryce Elder. He was beat up considerably. And it's one of those things where, you know, not that anyone's, I'm not saying that it's like has to be this way. But there was a contingent, I think most people that are kind of more up the way that you and I look, about, look at baseball, a little more numbers-based, that were kind of like, hey, Bryce Elder's not going to keep doing what he was doing early in the season. Um, I didn't think at the same time he was going to be as bad as he's been in the last five starts, which ERA near eight, and uh, the peripherals are really ugly, et cetera. But he was banged around on Saturday. Again, same thing as what we talked about with Max Fried, like a tough situation. Pitching in Wrigley against the Cubs is a tough spot. But um, what did you make of the way he looked? On Saturday, and also again, like a pretty long stretch now, you know, especially the last five starts, but even you know, dating back the last like two months or so, he's not been very good. And when you don't strike guys, when you don't strike strike guys out, and you're not missing a ton of bats, it's kind of uh, you know, it, it, it could be ups and downs. And I think uh, some of the positive, sorry, some of the negative re- regression that we kind of expected has been happening. Yeah, I don't want to say that the clock has struck midnight on Bryce Elder. I really don't think it has. I think. He is ultimately fine as a fourth or fifth starter in the rotation. But but the numbers speak for themselves. You mentioned his last five starts. He has a 7.71 ERA, a 6.87 FIP. And that was with two starts against the Brewers where he did look better. Uh, However, it is worth noting that the Milwaukee Brewers are dead last in the National League in WRC plus as an offense. So yes, he pitched fine against Milwaukee, but that is probably the worst lineup in the national league. If not one of them. Um, And then you mentioned two months, his ERA is North of five. He's not striking people out. So it is a legit concern. I mean, I I tweeted, I would not trust elder in a postseason appearance. Uh, Some people lost their minds at me, which is Cool, I guess. I guess that's uh, on brand. <laughs> it is. Um, but look, man, I'm I'm not making up the stats. The stats are what the stats are. And the fact is, for more than two months now, his ERA is north of five. Um, the strikeouts are down. The walks are up. The home run ball is up. It, it is growing to be a little bit of a concern between Elder and Morton, who has also been a bit shaky lately. Not that the Braves need seven shutout innings every single day of the week in order to win but they need Elder and Morton to start to figure a few things out. Yes. And uh, before I, I know that people that listen to the podcast regularly are going to jump on me if we don't talk about Morton not being very good either, because I'm definitely seen as being very high on Morton than I am. But um, just focusing on Elder for one more second, um, you know, it's not that, you know, just to be very clear, we're not rooting for Elder to regress. It was not a situation where I want to be right about that. It's just the situation where like, his his statcast numbers, his supporting numbers, they just don't line up with a guy who was again. This is not even like a hot take. Like a guy who had an ERA in like the low twos. Like it was not going to be that. Like uh, with what you just said, is I agree with. Like I, I think there's the most logical large sample world for Bryce Elder is a guy who is an acceptable four or five, and I, that's. I'm sure that's be, us being seen as being super negative about it, and I'm I'm not trying to be. That's just the way I feel. I hope we're wrong about that, but he's not as bad as this. Like I'm very clear. He's not as bad as the guy he's been in the last five starts in particular, even the last two months. Like, I think that's more in line, but certainly worse than I would project moving forward. But like, it's a, it's a little bit of a midnight striking, like you said, but also I think that there is a a sweet middle somewhere in there. And I think that hopefully we'll find that 
in the coming days. But I, just to be just to back you up, I, I mean, you're not asking me to do that, but I, I kind of agree with you about you know not being comfortable with Elder. That doesn't mean you can't pitch Bryce Elder in a playoff game because they might have to. But like I think that um, objectively at this moment in time, if you said there's a playoff game this Thursday, Scott, like the, the leash would have to be incredibly short on Bryce Elder. It would have to be like, hey. Uh, you know, first inning guys getting ready to go. Like, uh, I'm not saying that about, it's not just elder. Cause like Morton's got similar stuff. I, I do trust Morton more than elder and you can disagree. I don't, I don't know why you feel about that guy as I haven't asked you, but uh, I, I do think that they have to be careful. And it is a fair point to say that they only have two guys that people trust. I'm, I'm okay with that statement. I, I, I do trust Morton considerably more than elder, which was always the case for me, but I, I'm definitely still there. I do too. And maybe we, now it's our segue into Charlie Morton because Yes. <laughs> Morton for the, the fourth straight start was not great today. No. Um, and to, we should at least mention for Elder and for Morton this weekend, it was rainy. It was kind of like a constant mist slash drizzle the entire time, especially on Saturday for Bryce. Um, but, you know, Morton was not sharp. He had an early lead, but four and a third innings, he gave up four hits, five runs, four walks, including a bases loaded walk, which is just brutal, you know, throw one over the plate and see what happens and five strikeouts. Um, so, and as a team, the Braves actually walked eight guys on Sunday afternoon, which is um, spoiler, not good. Not going to win a lot of games doing that. Uh, so, you know, Charlie being 39 years old, I would love for the Braves to give him a breather, uh, whether it's skipping a start or just putting him on the IL with, you know, shoulder fatigue or something like that and giving him two weeks away frankly for Bryce Elder it would probably be a good thing too he has never done this at the major league level for an entire year before yep and uh you know maybe there's an opportunity after this week where the Braves have eight games in seven days but after that they do have a few more off days you know maybe there is an opportunity to use some of this AAA depth and give these guys even just one a skip once Right. Like if you could give Morton 10 days off, give Elder 10 days off, I feel like it would help. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to hurt considering their numbers over the last month. Yeah. And I, I, I'm i not speaking for you, but I, we're not saying that's like a cure all. It's just they we I, I'd like to see that, you know, in different situations, like you said, I mean, Morton being as old as he is, is just the reality. And, you know, maybe he said a wall of some sort. We, we, we don't know that he seemed to be not perplexed, but like he, he also wasn't thrilled after the start today. Um, Elder is a good, it's really a good point that I hadn't even considered that much. Like his workload is just higher than it's been and he's it's high stress endings and all that stuff. So yeah, I think that while we just kind of poked fun at how they don't have a lot of options, um, the division lead gives them options. And uh, I actually, you'll find this funny, Scott. I, I got accused of being, uh, I believe the, the the term was a soft millennial when I mentioned to Steven on Twitter that uh, that people, maybe somebody might take an off day every once in a while or in the lineup even. Uh, it's one, it's oh, one of those. Uh, but you know what I mean? Resting, like, uh, yeah, yeah, resting your players with a dozen game lead is is soft, Brad. You well, should. and this is and this is one of the things that, you know, there's always a philosophical breakdown about, I mean, you and I talked about this last year, maybe a year before that. Like, I think in general, I would like to see them be a little bit more uh, conscious of guys getting rest. And I know this is a young team outside of a couple guys, but um, you know, just being careful and that kind of stuff. When you have this kind of margin, it's a little bit easier to do that. But yeah, I I wouldn't mind what you just said either. Skipping those guys, maybe not like at the same time, because just for logistics' sake. But yeah, I think even Morton an extra week would not be the worst thing in the world. But yeah, I, I, it's undeniable, Charlie. 
after and people have been talking about it, this is because since the all-star break that's actually not true he was actually fantastic in his first start after the all-star break when he was fresh which maybe informs a little bit of what you said um but since then he's not been he's not been good so I, i'm not going to say he's been pitching well because he hasn't um I, again i just defer to there's a certain level of trust there with a guy who has done as much as he has done um and i think that is it is important to point out with elder as well that like taking a step back and acknowledging what the season long performance has been for both guys is important. Like, I think that, you know, for whatever reason, people have just decided that Charlie Morton's been bad all year, which is just not true in any shape or form. He's been bad the last four starts. That's definitely true. But like yeah. his, even, even after today, his season long numbers look fine. Like he's not been bad. And there's this narrative out there that he's been bad. It's not true, but they do need more from those guys. And yeah, it's easier with, with free back to bring it full circle. Like having free there. Not that I'm a huge fan of like saying this guy is a number three, this guy is a number four. But if you want to think about it that way, if Charlie Morton's your third guy, yeah, that looks a lot better than Charlie Morton as your, as your second guy. Like that's yeah. obviously what it is. Bryce Elder's your fourth guy. It looks better than, than your third guy. Uh, so if you want to view it that way, that definitely helps too. But you do need at least one of them, preferably both, to get it together because, you know, by hook, by hook or by crook, game three of a playoff series, one of them has to start unless something goes very wrong between now and then. Yeah. No, and I think you just took the words out of my mouth. Really, for me, the biggest storyline is getting Freed and Strider to the playoffs healthy. Because this team with this lineup, if you're telling me that's your one-two punch, I would take the Braves against anyone. And sure, Charlie Morton, Bryce Elder, a bullpen game, whatever they decide to do in a hypothetical game three. Um, If you look around the rest of the National League, there's not a ton of great starting rotations on the the teams that are in the playoff mix. Um, you know, you, you could just kind of go through, look at the who teams have as their current number three, right up between the Phillies, uh, the Brewers, the Dodgers, the Giants, teams that are seem likely to make the playoffs at this point. It, it's not exactly a murderer's row. And ultimately, the Braves need Morton and Elder to be better over these final two months. Uh, but it's not like the team is looking for them to throw a, a complete game shutout every single time they take the mound. I think they're just looking for a little more consistency and they're looking for them to work into the fifth or sixth or seventh inning uh, because lately it just has not been the case more times than not. Okay, one more thing before we get off this topic. Uh, this includes today's start, which we've already acknowledged was not good from Charlie Morton. Okay, Scott, I have the Fangraphs leaderboard up right now for National League pitchers qualified pitchers so you know i guess you have to pitch a certain number of innings to be qualified etc uh where would you guess that charlie morton currently ranks for the full season in fangrass war for national league pitchers um 15th charlie morton is 18th 18th yeah so uh just if you want to do a little bit a little, little bit of math on the podcast scott there are 15 teams in the national league charlie morton ranks 18th you know, I was pitchers. never, I was never good at math, but that seems okay. It seems pretty okay for a guy that, again, is not, a, not an ace anymore. This is not your older brother's Charlie Morton, but like he's been fine. Let's just say he's been fine. Also, while we're here, Bryce Elder, again, acknowledging that he's not been very good lately, is twenty third. So, I mean, what do, I, I get it. You have to pick apart stuff when a team is 70 and 39 in August. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, look, I understand the appropriate fear because. I made this joke too. I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Somebody that was not a Braves person, but it was somebody who covers uh, baseball. Um, and I was like, unfortunately, in baseball, 
it would be kind of on brand for this Braves team to lose to like an 82 win wildcard team because baseball is baseball. And like, there is an appropriate fear of that. You want to be as buttoned up as, as humanly possible. But uh, I think that this is kind of rich man's problems in some ways. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. And the Braves' problems are envious problems for a lot of other teams, right? Yes, like yes. a lot of these nationally contenders have like four or five guys who hit in their lineup and the bottom half is just terrible. Or, I mean, we're talking about two elite starting pitchers in the Braves rotation. They don't even have like one legitimately good starting pitcher in their rotation. Like the Cincinnati Reds would die for this Braves rotation right now. Um, Most teams would. Yeah. No, when you're 70 and 39, I think that's a good good thing to, to keep in mind and I'm again, I'm guilty of it too, man. I live we and die are. with the Braves. No, it is what it is. We all, we're, we all, I mean, I think I do it less because I'm just, I'm broken. Like my, my soul does not exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. Like I think just covering sports in the way that I do, like my ups and downs are not as big as everybody else's now. And I get why, but yeah. even then, like it's, I do for as much as I, I roll my eyes on occasion for some of the reactions from the day-to-day grind of baseball, like everybody does it on the wrong day. If you're just frustrated or whatever, things are going badly and the Braves lose three in a row and it's like the end of the world. And it just takes uh, t- just take a deep breath or two. I-, I know you do it too. It-, it is what it is. We all do it. And, and when you have a team as good as this one, you expect to win just yeah. about every day. And <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not even the rose colored fan glasses, like the, the Vegas lines every single day, the Braves are favored straight yeah. up. Because they think, should be, and that's that's what it is. Like they're they the better are. team. Yeah, but I even, mean, there but, was. But even then, to to back you up, let's yeah. say the Braves are minus two hundred favorite, right? If you're not in the gambling world, that's a pretty big favorite. You're still only like a sixty five percent chance to win the game. Like that's that's the way that math works. Like it's it sucks. I mean, there's just so many baseball games, but it goes back to what was. I'm sure Scott, mark this down. Remind me that I said this in two months. I'm going to tell you on this podcast, previewing the first series of the playoffs, that the Braves are obviously the better team, and the Braves could lose. 25% of the time because this is a baseball series. It's just what happens. Yep. It is a silly game. That's why we all tune in. Um, but as I, as I said a few minutes ago, and I really do believe this, I was kind of wavering on this a couple of weeks ago when I first brought it up, the whole Max Freed World Series discussion. Um, I think this weekend has almost highlighted the importance of, again, keeping Freed and Strider healthy and fresh for October. Uh, because those two guys, when they are on, I mean, th- there might not be a handful, like legitimately five better starting pitchers on the planet than Freed and Strider when they are going well. Uh, that's going to be such a big weapon and hopefully something that does negate the weirdness that baseball brings where you have a, hey, remember 88 win Atlanta Braves team We knocked off a couple of hundred game winners on their way to a World Series for six months, the Braves were not the better team, but for that final month, the month that meant the most, the Braves were the better team and they won a World Series because of it. Now, let's hope the Braves are on the other end of it this time around and they are the best team on paper and they run through everything and win another title. Um, but I, I, I just, man, elite starting pitching is the ultimate equalizer in October and if you can just get those two guys there and, and going well, which was not the case last year, as yep. we sadly remember, um, it, it just it is such a important component of winning a World Series. It's dominant front end starting pitching and a lights out back end of your bullpen. Yeah, yeah, I'm, if, I, if I, I can't get disagree. there. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if right, maybe maybe that's maybe that's Captain Obvious, but 
And you don't need five great starting pitchers in a playoff. You don't, you don't, need, you don't even need four. I mean, no. obviously, you, uh, there are a lot of teams, and the Braves might even try this, like not to belabor the point. But if let's just say, as an example, if Bryce Elder or Charlie Morton, but I, I think it's more likely to be Bryce Elder if this happens, doesn't find it in the next six weeks, they will probably just do a bullpen game in, in a game four. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they, you don't, a lot of teams do this. They, they don't even pretend in the playoffs to have a four starter. They'll just kind of go with a long man. That's might give them two innings uh, in opener style. Like for, you know, the AJ mentor old school role from years past or Jesse Chavez, if he gets, you know what I'm saying? They might do one of those things in place of a fourth guy, but you got to have three and preferably, you know, your top two or your top two. And uh, I think we all feel really, 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 really good about the top two. If they are healthy and yeah. rolling and uh, cross yeah. fingers between now and October two or whatever it is. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. And uh, just to put a bow on the weekend series, yes, the Braves lost two out of three. The Cubs are playing really good baseball. Uh, Matt Olson is out of his mind right yes, now. Yes, he is. There was a tremendous crowd reaction shot to his home run today that made the rounds. Of, I mean, if you missed it, Olson took a, a hanging slider and hit it almost out of Wrigley Field to right center, which is I mean, the wind was blowing in and he almost hit it out of the park, which shows how well he hit it. Uh, Matt Olson is tremendous, man. He is. This is the hitter the Braves acquired a year and a half ago. Uh, He has been so, so good offensively, has uh, 10 home runs since the All-Star break. His OPS is upwards of 1,200. I mean, he has just been mashing the baseball. His strikeouts have also gone down, which for a guy like him, I believe Olsen is third in the major leagues in average exit velocity behind Judge and Ronald Acuna. Uh, So we want Matt Olsen to hit the baseball as much as he can. And right now, man, he just feels like a – I mean, he is so locked in. His hot streaks are something to behold. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of in the tank for Matt Olson in the way that people that I wouldn't for most people because he went to my high school. But uh, you remember a time, Scott, like not that long ago, when people were like really mad at Matt Olson and act like like oh, he yeah. was terrible at baseball. Yeah, it was like two months ago. It wasn't even that long ago, and it was well, silly then, but it's even more silly now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it was. It's wild that he had a perfectly fine first season with the Braves. Like cut out all the noise, cut out everything around Freddie and the trade and all the drama. And Matt Olson had a perfectly fine first year, but this second season, man, I mean, this is legitimate MVP type of stuff. I mean, I, I think there's a world where Matt Olson is top four or top five in the national league. Oh yeah. I was actually gonna say that earlier, but we we're all, this is not even in our notes, but uh, yeah, at this very moment, he is top four or five in odds which doesn't tell you everything, but usually it's a pretty good indication. And I was going to say, if Ronnie didn't exist, and Ronnie is a very large favorite, no matter what the spin is in Los Angeles right now, which I've been, I'm have been, i sure you've been seeing this as well, about Freddie being right there with Ronnie. That's not really? true. Freddie's, Freddie's having a great year, objectively. He's been awesome. But Ronnie is a huge betting favorite, which usually tells you the story. But I was going to say, if Ronnie doesn't exist, Matt Olson would be a legitimate MVP candidate right now. Like, he would be right there. Like, he is right there. He might be third at the moment with Ronnie in the mix. So, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he has a, Olsen has a legit shot at what? He has 39 home runs. I mean, he's slugging 605 yeah. for the season. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. With, you know, 50, was it 53 games to go? If my well, you, you have the number uh, on Twitter, I believe, right? That he's slugging 800 yeah. since the break? Like no, 800. since uh, he's hit Matt Olsen. And this was, so Matt Olsen is slugging 
it was 800 since he moved down oh, right, right, right. from yeah. the two spot. So it was longer than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was, so Matt Olson moved from the second spot to fifth for like a week and then became the cleanup hitter. And since then he had an 800 slugging percentage. And that was before Saturday's game where right. he homered on Saturday and on Sunday. Oh, so that number is probably yeah. closer to eight. 3840. I mean the dude, he also obviously it doesn't count, but he had the the monstrous spring training as well. What did he have like seven home runs in 11 games or something? I not forgot that about sh- that, but yes, he he did do that. I forgot about that till right now, but yeah. <laughs> so uh sure, I mean we're not going to start counting spring training stats, but going back to really the beginning of March, I mean this dude, he has 39 now. So he has 50 home runs in baseball games of some kind since you know march March. one i mean that's crazy this guy i mean he is just so 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 locked in and just hits the crap out of the baseball when he makes contact yeah so uh long story short olsen's been great Austin rally is alive he has 10 home runs to the also break as well uh you know definitely an arbitrary endpoint as i will certainly acknowledge as the break but basically everyone has been good or at least pretty good since the break on offense other than the catchers Sean Murphy has cooled off and even Darno has cooled off as well and Rosario, but everybody else has been good. But like, like we said, I think last week or a week before that, this is an offense where you can deal with a guy or two slumping at a time because there's always seemingly someone who is scalding hot. And right now it's Olsen and it's Riley yeah. and Ozzy has 25 home runs, which is insane on August 6th. And, you know, Ronnie is literally the MVP of the league right now. And like, it's, it's insane. So we, I'm sure we repeated ourselves a lot on this topic, but it is what it is. Um, just want to point that out. The offense amidst, amidst everything else, even this weekend, again, a bad weekend for the offense on Saturday and Sunday, objectively, they had wasted opportunities, et cetera. They had what 20 hits and 11 walks and 10 runs in those two games. And we're talking, we're talking about the offense not doing enough in those two games. It's like hilarious. Yeah, it's uh, it really does just show how historic, honestly. I mean, an absurd lineup. This is, I think, short of a very weird final two months. I think, at least statistically speaking, it will end up being the best lineup maybe ever for the Braves. I know we've had that conversation a few times. At very least, it will be top three of all time. And that that alone, just knowing some of the players who have come through this franchise over the over the decades says a lot. Absolutely. And before we look to the upcoming week, some quick news and notes here, mostly on the pitching front. Dylan Lee had a rehab assignment uh, beginning on Saturday. We look forward to having Dylan Lee back. He is uh, good when he's right. Um, there was, you know, I, I guess Hernandez went on the IL. Um, we think it's a real injury, unfortunately, for him. Elbow inflammation uh, to clear away from Brad Hand. And then also a, a lot of buzz. And I did not see any of this, so I will not claim to be anything beyond the box score. But the first round pick for the Braves, Hurston Waldrop, apparently looked fantastic in his first professional outing uh, in Augusta. So, uh, I mean, that's obviously very, very early. But I actually saw someone with a straight face talk about Waldrop as a postseason option. And I was like, well, uh sure maybe <laughs> you know <laughs> i'll laugh about that but there you go there there's probably a non 0.0 percent chance that it would happen it, well, it's, I mean, it's usually it's usually relievers that do that you know what i mean like yeah. you know mentor came up not mentor uh what was who was it who am i thinking of right well, now that would say strider strider, oh, strider came up yeah super fast well call it college pitchers yeah can you and you know he is one waldrop is one but like it's usually they're even like relief only guys come up 
really like there's always I feel like there's one a year that's like up within six months of being drafted because they're yeah. just like that's why they're drafted that way in some ways. Obviously, Strider is kind of an outlier in that his stuff was just so crazy. I'm not saying it can't happen. I just thought it was funny that like he literally made one start in A ball mm-hmm. and was drafted like yeah. five minutes ago, and it was like playoffs. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. So I'm yeah. Up. His uh, there is a video of of Hurston's start. Now it it is probably worth mentioning. Uh, you know, he is in A ball, which is probably worse in talent than pitching in the SEC and at the highest level, which is kind of funny. Not a whole lot of guys go from college and then and then get assigned to a level of the minors, and it's it's a drop in in talent. But that's probably the case. Uh, he had a fairly healthy workload as well in his college season at Florida. So I would imagine the Braves are careful with him. Let him make a couple of starts. I'm sure give him some offseason homework and things to work on. Um, but it's with his stuff, I mean, eight strikeouts in three innings, he has that wicked split finger. The fastball is good. If he can work in a third pitch, I mean, I, I love the pick at the time. I, I think a lot of our, our prospect guys on the site liked him as well. And there is a, a, a bit of a safety net with Waldrop, even if he never develops as a starting pitcher. You know, I think he has a high, high ceiling in the bullpen, even a potential closer type. Um, and of course, that is a conversation for probably years down the road. Of yes. course, his value is much, much higher if he can be a starting pitcher. Uh, but he is because of his pitch mix and repertoire. I mean, he has uh, he has all the opportunity in the world to be a really good starter at the major league level. Yeah, we are in agreement there. Um, that's kind of it for news and notes. Not, not again. We, we podcasted Tuesday, and then Sean did a podcast, and as did Chris and Steven. So we're we're caught up, I believe, on the news front. But uh, Max Fried being back is the headliner of the week, anyway. Um, looking ahead now, before we get out of here, this is an eight game week for the Braves, which has not happened very often. A scheduled eight game week because there was a uh, a made up doubleheader, which will be happening on Saturday. But first, they play four games in Pittsburgh a team that the Braves have not seen this year. And uh, Scott, they're not very good. They're not like historically awful as some Pirates teams have been in the last half decade or more, but they're not very good. And this is a pretty good opportunity against a pretty bad opponent for four games. Yeah, the Braves, now that the schedule has lightened up a bit, it would be nice for them to hit their groove and get back to their winning ways. Uh, you mentioned the Pirates. I mean, they're not, they are not the 105 lost Pirates that they've been in recent years. Uh, they actually got off to a pretty good start. I, I believe Pittsburgh was in first place uh, around like early or mid-May. Yeah, um, which that, is that, that has changed. <laughs> which is kind of funny looking at their record, which is forty-nine and sixty-one. So that that probably speaks to a lot of those forty-nine wins happened earlier in the year. Um, so uh, you know, again, that that's an organization that has many many issues. The lineup is not great. They are thirteenth in the National League in WAR and in WRC plus among the lineups, tenth uh, in ERA as a team. So uh, not a great team. Of course, the Braves need to show up and hopefully clean a little, play a little cleaner baseball than they did over the weekend at Wrigley. Uh, but this is a obvious opportunity to hopefully win at least three. If you know you you want to win at least three games in this series, yeah. I mean, obviously you can't assume anything in baseball, but they're the better team. And um, 
talking about what we talked about earlier about the betting odds. I just pulled up one of the leading odds makers, and admittedly, it is Strider on Monday for the Braves, but the Braves are a minus 260 favorite, which is a very, very big favorite in baseball. Uh, So that's a, again, it's Strider, but still, that's a game that they probably should win. Um, After that, uh, we get to see the New York Metropolitans over the weekend. Four games in three days. If you've been under a rock, the Mets sold at the deadline. Uh, Braves have not seen the Mets since early June, so like two months at this point. Um, I'm not going to tell you that the Mets are like terrible now because they probably aren't as far as, you know, talent-wise, they're not, they're still not terrible. They, they, they did sell, but it has been a terrible season for them. The only thing I will mention, though, you know, I, I would imagine they would like to play some spoiler against the Braves because um, of all that has transpired. But man, the Mets have lost six in a row. They're underwater in run differential. They're currently only a game and a half ahead of the Nationals. Like it is, man, they are 21 games back, Scott, on August 6th. 21. Uh, isn't it beautiful? It is, uh, but man, that is, it's still wild to me that that happened. Yeah. I, I talked about it last week a lot with them sailing off, but I'm just looking at this, uh, at the standings list right now. I cannot believe that's, that's where they are. Oh, and and not even just are they struggling, but things like the body language is really oh, bad. They're, oh, they're they're cooked. <laughs> they're um, absolutely cooked. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about just kind of kicking a team in the groin. You trade away Scherzer and Verlander, and I mean, basically, your general manager with two plus months to go in the season basically came out and said, "Yeah, we're giving up." I mean, I know these guys are professionals, but if if your GM for the organization is coming out saying, "Yeah, we, we we're gonna." just kind of punt this year and maybe we're good in two years we're going to reimagine some things i mean it might be a little tough to get real jacked up for a series um i i do agree if there's any team the mets are going to get up for it's the braves um but you mentioned new york has lost six in a row uh the pitching is just awful and it was bad before the deadline and that was you know with scherzer and verlander um so yeah i mean an opportunity to uh, hopefully beat up on a wounded team in New York. You, you're right. They still have some real names in their lineup, especially the the offense has been fine. It, it's just that pitching staff that has been a dumpster fire all year long. Yeah. And I'll just say this, the Mets have a couple of um, built-in advantages in this series, acknowledging they're a lot worse than the Braves. Uh, number one, they have Thursday off and the Braves do not. Braves play Thursday and then have to travel from Pittsburgh. Also the Mets are playing at home. Uh, so that's a couple of things that go in their favor, no travel, et cetera. And there are four games in three days. So um, the Braves could be on fumes by the end of the weekend. I'm not saying that's going to be a disaster or anything like that, but um, it may be a little bit more of an uphill climb than you might think at first glance. I'm trying to at least throw it out there, but uh, the Braves are better than the Mets. And we'll see. Um, and yeah, I, I think this... it's, yeah. By the way, also their, their best pitcher remaining is Kodai Senga, who is technically a rookie, but an older, an older rookie. And he's pitching on Monday. So we, we're going to see him over the weekend at some point too. So there yeah, you go. probably. Yeah. Um, you know, and this, this little stretch for the Braves kind of quietly. Sure. It's, it's a mix of the Cubs and then four against Pittsburgh and then th- uh, four at the Mets. And then they come home and play the Yankees for three games and the Yankees have their own. Speaking problems. of cooks, the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that whole organization feels like it needs to have a, kind of a come to Jesus moment because what they're doing is just not working. Uh, but it's, it's a stretch of a lot of baseball games without any days off. And uh, you know, it, it's going to put the team through its paces, right? They have a lot of travel. They're going to be in four different cities in this stretch. Um, so hopefully the Braves again, figure it out. It wasn't like they went out and just got thumped by the Cubs this weekend, 
But let's hope they clean up some things. The defense wasn't great. They made a couple of bad base running gaffes on the weekend as well, which is just silly stuff that should not happen. Um, but you, you talk about four against Pittsburgh and then four against a very down on their luck New York Metropolitans. Uh, you <laughs> hope the Braves take, you know, five or six games this week and get back on track. Yes, well, final note here, a couple of national TV games. So if you are uh, if you have trouble finding the Braves sometimes on your you know cable for batters or whatever, they play Saturday night is a, is a Fox national game, and then Sunday night is ESPN. So uh, some national stuff there. And a couple of afternoon games as well. Saturday, the first game of the doubleheader, obviously in the afternoon. And then Thursday is a 1235 Scott Coleman special on getaway day um, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, Scott, they said that you and I could not go 50 minutes about about four games and they were wrong we did it we did it the scott and brad special there's always stuff to talk about there is stuff to talk about always and uh my apologies to sean if we stole any of his content for coming up in this week sorry but uh scott anything that you'd like to plug before we get out of here other than of course your arizona wildcats moving to the big 12 i was going to say now for three hours on conference realignment and expansion (laughs) no i am i am bonus 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 patreon pod on expansion there we go. Yeah. yeah. No, I am I am genuinely sad to see the death, the official death of the Pac-12. It's been coming for a while. For those who don't know, I am an Arizona Wildcat through and through. Very sad to see the Pac-12 um, die, basically. But uh, for the best, I'm sure we have listeners who are Big 12 fans. So looking forward to that. Should be an awesome conference for basketball. And football maybe isn't going to churn out a lot of national champions, but... Uh, it should be a fun conference for college football. And I know we have a lot of listeners who are diehards of uh, many a teams in, in college football. So it should be a lot of fun. That is all true. And uh, I wish you the best. I, I also agree as just a person who covers and loves sports. And because I grew up in the South, you don't really have a, ch- a choice. You just love college football. So I, I just I just do, even though I'm a Michigan guy, I love college football. And uh, yeah, it was it's weird that the Pac-12 has just literally died in one day, basically. So do we know if Bill Walton knows? Like, uh, I'm sure the- someone has found him somewhere and let him know the Conference of Champions. I don't know. Place, but, um, yeah, I don't know. With Bill Walton could be a wild time, but uh, no. Yeah, but yeah, you and I, of course, love college basketball as well, which is why I, I appreciate the, the small pivot you just did to college basketball. But uh, yeah, yeah we, we agree on all of that. The, the best sports time of the year is on the horizon. Uh, you have September and October, football in full swing, NBA, NHL gearing up. Of course, you have the baseball pennant push and the World Series. So it is a good time for sports fans on the horizon. Yes, and October is also the month that if you care about my my personal well-being, you'll be worried about me because I don't sleep in October. It's just just what it is. And uh, hopefully we'll have plenty of rest between now and then. Um, Scott, thank you for doing this. Late in the evening, that was my fault. I had a funeral to attend today and I am absolutely on fumes. So hopefully this has been somewhat coherent but I appreciate your flexibility. Where can folks find you on Twitter machine? I guess it's not called Twitter anymore. Twitter slash X. Twitter slash X, Scott Coleman 55. Be sure to check out the site as well at Battery Power SBN. A lot of good content every single day. Game preview, game recap, any kind of news. The minor league stuff is great as well. Those seasons are starting to hit the uh, the end of the road for, for that. A lot of guys just... Um, you know, trying to to wrap up their minor league seasons the best they can. So a lot of great analysis, always uh, good stuff on batterypower.com. And um, I'll see you next weekend, Brad. Hope you do okay, buddy. 
Yeah, I uh, assume we'll be here in our normal time slot a week from today. But uh, in the meantime, we will have content on this podcast network. I know we've referenced it once before, but Sean Coleman and the Daily Hammer, usually multiple times per week. We usually have a podcast being named later in the middle of the week as well with Chris Willis and Stephen Tolbert. And then this show, which is usually Scott and I. So if you're a new listener or if you've been in and out with us, please take a second and subscribe to the podcast. Auto download, five star reviews and ratings, all that fun stuff is definitely appreciated as well. As Scott said, check out batterypower.com. Follow us as a site as well at batterypowersbn. Thank you again, everybody, for listening to today's podcast. And we'll see you all next time.